today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. finished on that day death was beaten all darkness was slain all his passion poured out like the rain upon the earth three days buried 
they came to mourn. The stone was rolled away and the veil was torn. For he has risen, he is the king of all the earth. Hallelujah, he has conquered death.
Amen. Why don't we give the praise team a, a hand for all that they did today? Today is Easter, and it is a joyful day in which we can gather to remember the resurrection of Christ. Christ is risen. And this is our Pascalian traditional response is where we say he is risen indeed. Once again, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. Excited for Easter? That's not a question, it was a statement. I cited some eggs for Easter. So eggs cited for Easter. If you have a child, um, we have a little basket of eggs for you as you walk out the door. And if you walk out after service, uh, Pastor Esther will give um, you a basket, right? One for each child. So excited for Easter. I am, I'm pretty excited for Easter. Uh, today is a day in which we celebrate Christ's triumph over, over death. The church celebrates Easter once a year. But I have to say and remind you that every Sunday is a mini Easter celebration. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. That's why we worship and we gather on Sunday. After the resurrection the Christian community gathered on the first day of the week. It used to be the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day. The Christians changed it to celebrate on the first day because the first day remembered as the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is the day of resurrection in which we remember, especially today, today being Easter. When we look at today's passage The other synoptics also had it, but this one is especially meaningful to me and very, very good because the other synoptics would say early at dawn or right before dawn, but here in the beginning of today's passage, it says, while it was still dark, so even before dawn, you see Mary Magdalene going to the tomb and the tomb is empty. You see, normally people would think if you've heard the Easter story over and over again, the tomb is empty. Shouldn't she be happy? Yes, the tomb's empty. Jesus did what he said he would do. But the empty tomb didn't promote joy. People then, just like people today, didn't assume that an empty tomb meant resurrection. In fact, they would have assumed an empty tomb might have meant something else. Back in the day, grave robbery was prevalent. Grave robbers would come in and break into tombs of wealthy people to steal artifacts and sometimes even the body. When Mary gets there, she's devastated because they have desecrated the tomb of her Savior, stolen his body away. And in this passage, she runs to Peter and John. They've taken him. They've stolen him. We don't know where the body is. 
And if you look at verse 4, it's noted that John is obviously faster than Peter because he got there first. I found that very interesting. If you ever want to, to show off how fast you are, <laughs> right, you got to the tomb first. And then, yeah, anyway. Um, but John is obviously the faster one. But he doesn't peer in. But Peter, coming in later, goes in and sees the cloths lying there. The handkerchief is folded up. That's so weird to me. You know, you would think, I would think like, perhaps the resurrection was like that opening video. Everything just exploding, you know, rocks just breaking apart. The cross just being demolished. And the cloth is just laying there and the handkerchief is folded up. The first thing I thought in my uh, very limited mind was, was Jesus OCD? Because as, as soon as he resurrected, he's like, you know, why don't I fold these clothes up? And then he folds the clothes and put it on the side. Why would they write that? What's so important about writing that? And you see, all these details are put into the story to show us, wait a minute, why would they even include that? Unless it happened. Unless it happened. Why would they say Mary went to the tomb before the great apostles went? Unless it happened. You know, even until the first and second century, people inside the church were quarreling. They were debating. They they were saying, maybe the resurrection didn't happen because even back then, they thought the woman's testimony isn't true. You can't hold it as as high as a man's, as wrong as they were. That's what they thought. And yet, if you really wanted to find a credible testimony, why would they they say that? Wouldn't have they said, you know, Peter, the great apostle, he saw that the tomb was empty. He went in and inspected it and believed. But instead, you see here, everybody's just confused. Mary's crying. Mary got there first, tells the disciples, and then then the disciples come over, and the cloth is folded up, and all these things are happening. What does this mean? And even then, when this happened, it wasn't immediate like joy. Oh, the resurrection happened. It was confusion. It was bewilderment. It was sadness for Mary. And that's amazing to me that the linen cloth that you would wrap the body in. And when they would wrap the body, they would wrap the body so tightly because they don't want anything to go missing, but they would wrap the body, kind of like a burrito, but they would wrap the body and they would place the body inside the tomb. They would have a handkerchief to cover the face. The linen cloth that wrapped the body was exactly the same way. And the handkerchief was taken and folded on the side. She's like, what's going on here? The clothes are not disturbed. Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. He saw the clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. All this is happening, but everything leading up to this point was rough. It was rough. You have to remember, Good Friday was only three days ago. It was a rough few days. People were not in the right state of mind. They were afraid. They were mourning. What they wanted to do was they wanted to honor Jesus because they loved him so much. They followed him for three years and he died. 
They wanted to give him respect and honor, so they went, especially Mary Magdalene. She went while it was still dark, even before the sun came up. And the body's gone. Not in the best state of mind. She turns around and she sees someone who she thinks is the gardener. Where is he? I'll take him. I'll take him. Just tell me where he is. At, the, at this point, you don't even know really what you're saying. And you don't even know how to respond. You're just saying something because you're so desperate. And I don't know about you, but a lot of us, I think, especially me, I can say that we've been in a place of total desperation. We didn't know, even know what to pray. We're in this dark place. We're in a place of Good Friday, Holy Saturday. And we don't even know how to pray or respond about our situation out there, about our situation in here. And we don't know how to respond. Where is he? I'll just, I'll just take him. If you took to the gardener, if you took him, I'll just take him. But this is the amazing part of this story. Jesus only says one word. One word. He turns to her and says, Mary. And instantly she knew that was his king, her king. She knew that was her savior. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. There was a video that was posted on social media a while ago. A sheep grazing. And then the, the test obviously was to have just random people, the tourists, call out to the sheep. Hey sheep, why don't you come here? I don't know, something like that. They would call out to the sheep and sheep doesn't listen. you know, Because probably, I think we have in our minds that sheep are dumb, dumb animals, right? They don't, they don't listen. They'll just follow each other, fall off a cliff like that story we heard a we heard long time ago. Um, they don't listen. So multiple people try calling to the sheep, and obviously it's not working. And then the shepherd comes in this video. And the shepherd calls out to the sheep. And the sheep stop grazing and look up. And sees that it's the shepherd, and they all start coming back to the shepherd. Mary knew it was Jesus because she knew his voice. You know, I could go on about how the resurrection is intellectually sound. It is logically sound. About how anybody would, that would write this wouldn't write it this way at that time, at that point in history, unless it was absolutely true. And we can go on after proof, evidence after evidence. But in the end, what really matters is when Jesus turns to his sheep and he calls out your name. You know his voice. And you know he's the risen king. And that's why we're gathered here today because he has called your name, Mary. All he did was say her name and her grief melted away. You know, that's the kind of people we are, aren't we? 
We're really waiting for a resurrection. There is darkness in our lives. There are prayers unanswered that we have. There are questions. There are su- there's suffering outside. There's suffering inside. But what we are really looking for is for our Savior to call our name. All you have to do is call my name, Jesus, and my grief will melt away. But that's what Easter is. Easter is when Jesus calls your name. The word cemetery has Christian origins. Cemetery from the Latin word means sleeping place. Before it was just graveyard. And right across the street from our church, we have a cemetery. And I was passing by this past weekend. I saw crosses just outlined with lilies, just like we have lilies here, just scattered, uh, put on top of the graves of those that believe. Because we believe that those who are in Christ are just sleeping. Just when, as when Jesus went to Jairus' daughter and said, Talitha Kum, little girl, I say to you, get up. It's time to wake up, honey. It's just sleeping. It's not death. This is what we believe. And this is why we have those crosses on our graveyards. Because we know that there will be a time when we will be risen again with our Savior. You see, before that, death was absolute. It was imminent. It was unchangeable. In the city of Hanover, there is a graveyard which has been now closed. It's called the Garden Churchyard. It has, very, it has a lot of antiquated uh, monuments. It's a resting place of many celebrated characters throughout history. It was erected in 1782, these monuments. And what they did was they built this gigantic monument and they put massive stones with heavy iron clasps saying no one can go in there. This is a sepulcher. And this is, these are the words that are um, put at the base of this monument. These are the words that have been engraved there. The sepulcher, purchased for all eternity, is not permitted to be opened. The sepulcher, purchased for all eternity, is not permitted to be opened. But you see, over the years, what happened was somehow, and we don't know how, maybe the wind carried the seed, but a beech tree seed just happened to fall there. And it went into the cracks. It found its way into the crevice of the foundation. In the course of the many years, the little seed grew, and it grew to be strong. It became a tree, a luxuriant tree, And it mocked this monument. It mocked the inscription of this monument because as it grew, it raised the massive stones from its foundation and broke the iron clasps. And now it is an open grave. Anybody who would visit this gravesite would see that even though death would have tried to claim its imminent, permanent hold on humanity there is one who broke it 
And now there's an open grave. The open grave reminds all visitors that eternity isn't death, but eternity now is life. If you believe in Christ, you have life. This is Easter. This is the meaning of Jesus calling your name. The story doesn't end there, though. The story doesn't end with just Jesus calling out to Mary. There's a little rougher part toward the end of this passage, which I'll get to. And as, G, as uh, you can just imagine, just hearing her Savior's voice, Mary just runs and you can imagine she's just clasping his feet. I'm never going to let you go. I'm going to be with you always. And Jesus says something. He says, don't touch me or don't cling to me, but go to the brothers. Our job here, just because we have eternity, isn't just to hold on to Jesus and hope everything is okay. Jesus is telling the believers whom he has called by name now to go out. Go out and tell the brothers and sisters of the world what has happened. He sends us out to the mission field. What's interesting is um, if you've ever grown up watching magic, magic is uh, just very entertaining. I think now they just call it illusion. But there was a, a show by a pair of two men, uh, Penn and Teller. I don't know if you know who they are, but Penn Gillette is one half of this comedy team or this comedy magician duo. And he is very uh, famously known, not just as a magician, but also as an atheist. He wrote books like God, No, and Every Day is an Atheist Holiday. And in 2008, something happened. It hit him so profoundly that he had to make a vlog, and it's still on YouTube today. He recounted a story of a man gifting him a Bible after one of his Las Vegas shows. And as he recounts it, he says, this man, so genuine, so sincere, he would just look at me in the eyes and say, I really respect you, I really enjoy your show. But I believe in Jesus. And I want you to know him too. So here's a Bible. And Pendulette is giving this, uh, this little monologue in his vlog. And he's saying, he gave me this little Gideon Bible. And he didn't want to be intrusive, but he just looked at me in the eyes. And he was so sincere. And I think he said in that vlog, he looked at me in the eyes like three to five times. He just said, he looked at me in the eyes. He gave me this Gideon Bible. And he was explaining, I think it has a New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. And in the front of the Bible, he put his name and all the numbers he can reach him at. He was this businessman and he was successful, but he gave me all his numbers. And he gave me all these other numbers I could call for help or support. 
at that point when he made that vlog, he was still an atheist, but he said this statement. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was going to hit you and you didn't believe it, and if that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? An atheist, a self-proclaimed atheist who wrote books about it, who's at many points, I would say, even proud of his beliefs or a beliefs, was broken because a man will look at him in the eye and share his profound love for Christ. You see, my brothers and my sisters, you have been saved. Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. We are celebrating it today. He calls us by name. But then he says, don't cling on to me. Go and tell the brothers and sisters what has happened here. Our job here while we are on this planet, while we are still living here in this place, our job is to follow what Jesus says now. We have to go. We have to share this good news. I remember I gave a sermon very similar to what Pendulette was saying uh, down and when we were having worship in the fellowship hall. And I gave that this exact example. If you saw a train coming and a person was standing by the railroad tracks and didn't know the train was coming wouldn't you muster up all your strength, all your breath, all your energy to yell, train! It's coming. Because you care for that person. My friends, it is a joy that we have been saved. We are to here to celebrate. I am so happy I could celebrate with you. I can call you my brothers and my sisters and we have a bond that is stronger than anything else the world can give. Anything else the world can try to contrive. We have a bond that has been forged in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we went over this on Good Friday. But now that it is Easter, Jesus Christ is sharing to his disciples. He's commanding them, go. Tell people about me. There are others. And they need to know. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He is God's show of love to us, to this world. God sent his only son because he loved this world. And if you believe In him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. And this eternal life isn't just longevity. When we talk about eternal life, it's about eternal life 
with all the joy you could possibly have. What do you enjoy? And in our, in our announcements today, which our brother uh, Eugene also uh, announced, we have free tennis lessons given by Jimmy. I think there will be tennis in heaven, honestly. If you really enjoy tennis, there will be tennis in heaven. So take some lessons, you know. You know, you might ask Jesus, you want around? No, I don't know about that. Uh, but, you know, that's something we can conjecture. That's something we can imagine. But that joy, what we know, brings us joy, will be complete in him. This joy that we have, even thinking about it, it's going to top that. You know, people always wonder, uh, after reading all the resurrection accounts, will I be able to also teleport because Jesus all of a sudden would vanish? You know, after he would walk with the disciples in um, Emmaus and he would break bread with them. And as soon as they break bread, their eyes were opened and then Jesus vanished. So people were like, whoa, did he teleport? Honestly, um, it could have just been as soon as they broke bread, they knew who Jesus was. And Jesus said, okay, I'm out. And then he might have stepped out, not necessarily vanishing. The disciples had their door, and some in the Greek says the door was locked. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes into the room. So it's like, oh, Jesus teleported back in the room. Can we teleport after we get our new bodies? Um, but honestly, he might have just opened the door and then closed it and said, hi, I'm here. But this part... It's hard to explain. The linen cloths. How did he get out? He's not Penn and Teller. He, he's not a magician. It was just there. And so I think that's strong evidence for teleportation. Okay, that's not, if you're going to seminary, don't write a paper on that. You probably get an F. But I don't know, it's just a strong evidence that our body isn't just complete there's more to it and when we fell we lost some of that but in our new resurrected bodies we'll get it all back we'll able to fully enjoy it maybe instead of tennis there'll be something called super tennis and we're going to be playing super tennis in heaven we'll volley all the way across like 10 football fields and jesus is there and he'll volley right back to us i don't know but we'll know for sure when we're in heaven this is a complete joy that Jesus is offering. It's not just longevity in life. It's eternal life. The fullness of joy that we can have being with our Savior. And Jesus is telling his disciples, go, tell other people. Tell the brothers and sisters what has transpired here. My brothers and sisters, and every time I say that, I mean it. We are forged together by something thicker, deeper, stronger than anything in this world. My brothers and sisters, we will enjoy an eternity with Jesus in heaven. But our job now is to share that. Share that. If you really love Jesus, I truly believe that even a hardened heart atheist will be able to see 
that it is because you love them, you will do everything you can to share the truth. With as much love as you can, with as much truth as you can. Who is it today, right now, who is it that God is sending you to? Who is it that Jesus is saying, don't cling on to me right now, but go and tell. Go and tell her. Go and tell him about what has happened here. Let's pray. And as we pray, I just want to take this time for us to meditate. We have been invited. There is eternity for us. There is a joy unending now given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is why we exclaim, we proclaim, He is risen. He is risen indeed. But our job here on earth is not over yet. Jesus calls us to go out into the world and share this gospel, this good news, that the grave is empty. It is no longer a graveyard, but a cemetery, a sleeping place for those that believe. And this is the news that we are to give to the world. Who is it that God is placing in your heart right now? Won't you pray for them? Won't you pray for your fellow student, co-worker, family member, neighbor, that the Holy Spirit places in your heart? He places them in your heart because he wants to use you to minister to them. Let's pray.